Lift our hands, let's stand. Bow our knees, oh, and worship at your throne. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Right now. Need you, There's no doubt 
about it He's my Lord One more time Yes, He's my Lord There is no other one Who can calm the storms of life Like my Lord, and He gives rest to the weary, brings new life to the hopeless. There's no doubt, will about been made more than conquerors, amen, overcomers in this life, we've been made victorious, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ, yes, we've been made than conquerors, overcomers in this life. We've been made victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ. One more time. Yes, we've been made than conquerors, overcomers in this life, we've been made victorious, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Aren't you thankful that you're a conqueror this morning? Amen. It's nothing that you're doing or that I'm doing. Amen. It's because of him, and I'm thankful for that this morning. I want to welcome you to the service. Uh, it's good to have uh, everyone here. Uh, we're going to open uh, service in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy uh, Clayville if he'll come and open the service in a word of prayer. I've got quite a few prayer requests. If you could play, uh, bring all your needs to the altar there, Sister Becky. Um, got quite a few folks that have been are sick that aren't here today but uh, we want to remember the Ningamanzas they uh, actually had some uh, vehicle trouble so we want to remember them Uh, the Florians are uh, sick with viruses we want to remember them we want to remember our sister uh, Mia Uh, this morning is going to be going for biopsy and testing and uh, for a lesion on her thyroid. So we want to uh, just remember our prayer. We want to remember um, the crosses. Brother Matt is uh, sick. want to remember Sister Sabrina's uh, mom. She's in the hospital with pneumonia and uh, kidney issues. Sister uh, Chanel Brown put in a prayer request for her uh, cousin Rick. 
There's a heart catheter being put in on Thursday, so we want to remember that prayer request. Brother uh, Samuel Pugh puts in a prayer request for a uh, co-worker, uh, co-worker's brother who's in the hospital with serious infection in his body and is asking for us to uh, <clears throat> remember him in prayer. Uh, the gentleman's name is Wayne Collins, so we remember in prayer. <clears throat> I'd also ask you to um, remember my mother and my grandmother. <clears throat> my grandma had a, uh, a uh, minor stroke just before Christmas and fell and uh, bruised her face up really, really bad, broke some bones in her face and uh, went into the hospital and found out she had COVID and influenza B at the same time. She's 93, and so it's a little rough, and uh, so I just ask you to remember her in prayer, and also uh, my mom was in the hospital at the same time with COVID as well, so I just ask that you remember them in prayer. They live in Idaho, and just ask that you remember them in prayer. If you have any unspoken prayer requests, amen, I'm thankful that there's somewhere where we can bring all of our needs, though, amen. So many folks in the world uh, have problems just like we do people that are in the hospital, they have financial issues, they have emotional, mental issues, but there's nowhere that they can go to. And I'm so thankful, amen, this morning. There's somewhere where we can bring our needs, amen. There's somebody that's got all the power that we don't have to rely on ourselves, amen, that we can turn to, amen, Brother Jeremy. God bless you, saints. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, it's just with thankfulness in our hearts, Lord, that we can approach you again this morning. Lord, we're glad to be gathered together. And Lord, we are a very needy people, Lord. But Lord, I'm so thankful that no matter our needs, the amount of needs, what, what may seem like, Lord, just a, an overbearing burden to us, Lord, is fully capable within your hands, Lord. Father, we believe that through that price that was paid at Calvary, Lord, you are, you've, you've met the needs already, Lord. Whether it be sickness, Lord, sickness of mind, facing depression and anxiety, sickness of body, Lord, looking for direction, provisions, Lord, in this life, Lord, you have it all in your hands, Father. So, Lord, we take comfort in that. We lay our burdens at your feet, Lord, and we just want to worship you this morning, Father. Give you thanks, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to the truth, Lord, in this hour. Father, we pray that you would just increase our faith, Lord, to hold fast to those promises that you've given us, Lord. Father, you said, Lord, that full obedience to your word entitled us, Lord, to every promise. Lord, we hold fast to that, Lord, and we thank you. Lord, as your prophet said, that token, Lord, the price has already been paid, and we hold that before you, Lord, and just say thank you. Father, we ask now that you would come and be with us this morning, Lord. It's wonderful to see each one, Lord, but it wouldn't mean much, Lord, if you weren't here. So, Lord, we invite your presence, and we pray, God, that as we worship you and sing songs, Lord, that it would be just a sweet savor unto you. We pray, Lord, that it would soften our hearts, that we'd be ready to receive your word this morning. Whatever the minister has on his heart, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just give him full unction of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to speak and give us what we have need of. 
Lord, we've given you our needs, but you know best above all. So we trust you and just ask that you have complete control in this service, Lord. We love you. I'm just so thankful, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We give you thanks now and ask your blessings in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I uh, failed to mention, and I want us just to continue to remember, it's good to have Brother Keith here on the organ. Amen. And uh, we just want to continue to remember him in prayer as well as uh, the elderly folks that aren't able to be with us because of uh, caregiving the smiths and uh, drums as well. So we just want to continue to remember them in prayer. Turn and shake hands with those that are around you. Uh, Welcome them to the service. It's good to have the, I believe it's Bennett, the Bennett family from uh, South Africa here. God bless you. It's good to have them here with us. Um, We're going to sing one song before we're seated, Shout to the Lord, which I always like to sing that standing. I feel like that's one of those songs that's a little hard to sing sitting. So, uh, my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you amen all of my days i want to praise the wonders of your mighty love my
bow down The seas will roar at the sound of your name I'll sing for joy the work of your hands Oh, forever I'll stand Nothing compares to the promise I have We'll shout to the Lord all the earth Let us sing power and majesty Praise to the King Mountains bow down and the seas will roar At the sound of your name Amen Oh, I'll sing for joy Amen Forever I'll love you Ever I'll stand Nothing compares to the promise I have Well, nothing compares Prom, one more time Well, nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Amen. You may have your seats. Amen. Um, I'd like to sing that old hymn this morning. I'm sure we've got it in there. Uh, Rugged Cross. I, uh, I love that song. And uh, I feel like sometimes I, I like the new songs a lot, the, the worship songs like we just sang, but sometimes I feel like uh, I miss some of the old songs that I grew up with. We used to actually have to take our hymnal. Remember those days? You'd have to open it up, and the song leader would say, turn to number 1226, and you'd turn the pages back there, and, and then you'd actually memorize the songs because you'd remember them all. Those, those were the old days, kids. Yeah. Um, um, on a hill far away, amen. Well, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and of shame, amen. And I love, don't you love it? We're the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain Amen So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Will my trophies at last I cross so despised by the world as a wondrous attraction for me 
Lamb of God, who left His glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down and I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown in the old rugged cross Stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. T'was on that old cross, amen. Jesus suffered and died. Aren't you thankful for this? To pardon and sanctify me. Hallelujah. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. Hallelujah. And I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Now to the old rugged cross will I will ever be true. Shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday, amen, to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cheer. I, uh, I recently just had my birthday a couple weeks ago and turned the ripe old age of 49. And, um, you know, I've grown up my entire life in the message. I don't ever remember uh, not being in a message church, not going to church, not singing a hymn. But it's only been recently in the probably last 
10 years how much more this song means to me. How much more the blood of Jesus Christ sanctifying me, forgiving me of my sins, of so many things that I have done wrong that I wouldn't want anybody else to know, that I would be embarrassed about, that I am thankful for that, that Jesus Christ came from glory, amen, came down, forgave us, took his perfect life and gave it up for me who didn't deserve it absolutely at all and said, Ben, I love you. Not only do I love you, but I am going to put a cover around you that says no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, you are still my son. Amen. And that I love you and I'm giving my life for you. I'd like to sing that last verse again. And I just when we think about the shame and reproach he bore for us, never did anything wrong and was tempted in the exact same ways we were tempted, had all the same things that we deal with, whether it's anger, whether it's lust, whether it's pride. He dealt with all of those and didn't put himself into temptation, dealt with temptation. Amen? And how many times have we messed up and given it, and it's still his blood of Jesus Christ covers for that. I'm so thankful for that. Surely we can bear a little bit of reproach. Amen, Lee? Amen? Let's sing that one more time. To the old rugged cross I will ever is that your prayer? It's shame and reproach. Gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday. I'm so looking forward to that. To my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. Bring it out. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down And I will lead to the old rugged cross One more time, let's sing the chorus. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down And I will cling to the old rugged exchange it someday for a crown. Amen, amen. Let's stand. We're going to ask our ushers to come at this time. Take up the uh, morning offering.
We have a, uh, a guest speaker here with us. You may have heard of him. His name's Barry Coffey. So we're uh, welcome. Glad to have him back with us, uh, him and Sister Becky, after they've been uh, dealing with all the sickness. So uh, excited to have Brother Barry here with us again. Uh, could ask the blessing, Brother Mike. Amen, amen. Um, we're going to get ready to sing something here before Brother Barry comes, but just a quick announcement, just to remind everybody, uh, we will be having uh, communion and foot washing uh, this evening, so uh, don't forget about that. Um, as Brother Barry comes, let's sing that song, uh, The Goodness of God. Amen. Don't you love him? Amen this morning. Is it the right key? Love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. Amen. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing. Of the goodness of God and All my life you have been faithful Oh, in all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am capable I will of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In my darkest days You've been close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God. Oh, in all my life you have been So is running after it's running after me 
Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Oh, and all my life you have been faithful. Oh, and all my life you have been so, so good. Where with every breath that I am. the goodness of God because God is good all the time and all the time God is good so let's sing that little chorus this morning as we begin together God is good all the time how many can say amen sing it out now like you mean it good all the time put a song of praise in this heart of mine God is good all the time through the darkest night I will shine God is good my God is good all the time if you're walking through the valley there are shadows Forsake you, and his word is good. God is good all the time. Heart of mine, God is good. Light will shine. God is good. God is good all the time. One more time. God is good all the time. It's good all the time. Light will shine. God is good. God is good all the time. Let's give an offering of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. You, you never run out of ways of blessing your people, Lord. You never want, run out of ways of thrilling us in your presence, Lord. There's there's no place on earth like it. There's no activity like it. There's no, there's no feeling like being near you, Lord. And when you pass by, it's always such a special thing. Fill our cups today, Lord, we pray. We commit our every need to you. But, Lord, we also say at the beginning of this year, point us, Lord, in a more accurate direction. 
And Father, lead us and guide us in your perfect will. We, we seek nothing less, Lord. We would be satisfied with nothing less. And we love you and we appreciate all you provide. Look at us through the blood of Calvary's cross. And we're thankful, Lord, that after all of these years, that blood is still as powerful as it ever was. And Lord Jesus, we stand justified as though we never sinned in the first place. And for that, we thank you, Lord. Have your way now among us today. We commit the time that we are spending, Lord, in your presence today in our communion service tonight. We commit it all in your hands that you might receive all the praise and glory for you deserve it all. Lord, we want to say again that we just love your word and thank you, Lord, for this great message that has come in this last day. And may we represent it well. May we speak of it, Lord, in the right way. And Father, I just pray you take complete control now. I give myself, my gifts, Lord, everything you put in me for this day. I give it all back to you and just pray, Lord, that you would just just use the vessel, Lord, I pray, in your own sovereign way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you may be seated this morning. Thank you, musicians. And it'd be nice to even sing more because it just sounds so wonderful. It's nice to be back. And I appreciate all of your prayers and uh, your uh, concern. We appreciate that very much. Uh, You kind of get the feeling that somebody doesn't like you uh, after a while. You know, when you get hit so often by the devil and... uh, that's uh, that's what it is, but we're we're grateful to be uh, back and to be strong and and uh, be with you today. Uh, over the over the last month, uh, there's just been lots of different things that have taken place, and uh, one of the things that I did after I came back from retreat there and uh, <clears throat> took a souvenir home with me from the retreat, and uh, I woke up one morning and I was sore in my shoulder, and I thought, wow, you know, this is just. There's something weird that's happening here. So I, I went to, found a chiropractor and, and went to the chiropractor and said, hey, take a look at this. There's got to be something that's, that's wacky. So he, he looked around and, and uh, fished around a little bit. And finally he said, have you been coughing a lot? And I said, yeah. Because I, I never told him anything about what we've been through. And he said, you've, you've coughed a second rib out of place. And uh, he said, well, let's just get that dude back in, back in line. And uh, so, but by God's grace, uh, we're thankful to be here today. And we appreciate uh, each and every one of you and would ask you to remember those that are not well and uh, struggling. We're in, we're in the middle of the season for sure. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, care uh, for our own assembly here, just uh, in, not today, but we're going to be uh, ramping that up just a little bit because we're in, we're in a season where it's going to be needed. Um, great to have all of our visitors here. Great to have the Bennetts here from uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. And uh, for all of you that are here today, God bless you. And uh, we uh, certainly appreciate Brother Tim Ashong being here today. Uh, this will be his last Sunday with us for at least a little while. He's going to go to his other home uh, in Ghana after he leaves here. He's going to be going to Connecticut and then back home. And uh, Brother Tim, I appreciated the encouragement Wednesday night. And I was listening closely and appreciated that very much. And uh, we wish you all the best uh, in your travels and ministry and greet your wife for us and don't come again without her. And uh, we will certainly... Um, be praying for you as you travel in the last part of your journey. I, you're, you're a walking testimony of God's healing virtue and, and uh, you're representative of uh, God's healing power today, same as uh, he always was. And so we appreciate that. 
So <clears throat> just a couple of quick announcements here. Uh, yesterday was Brother Mike Pritchard's birthday. Brother Mike, we appreciate you and your wife and family very much, and may God bless you and trust you had a wonderful day and a wonderful year upcoming. January 12th is Sister Jessie's birthday, right? God bless you, Sister Jessie. And January 13th is Lincolnton Clayville's birthday, right? Wherever he is. There he is. God bless you, Lincoln. Appreciate, uh, appreciate Lincoln very much and all that he does. February 10th, you want to mark it. It's going to be our couple's banquet. Brother Sam Browning is going to be coming to minister for us uh, on that weekend. And uh, you might want to mark that, like I said in the update, because uh, we, we have limitations in our fellowship hall. We have limitations as far as numbers. So when we open that uh, gate for registration, you might want to jump on that if you uh, plan to attend. We trust that you will. Uh, May 3rd to 5th, I just want to throw this out here. We're going to have a men's meeting here this year, Lord willing, in September. Uh, but for the first time in probably 20 years, we're going to do a European men's meeting. It'll be held in Belgium. And so if you uh, guys want to save your shekels, uh, that will, uh, that'll be a blessing to be able to go over there. Brother David is helping us to organize things over there and uh, looking forward to that uh, in a great way. So that'll be something you want to mark on your calendar. All right, uh, gentlemen on the board there, I asked Brother Joe Coffey uh, to pull together just a little end-of-the-year clip uh, for Vision Books. And so this is very short, but it, it encapsulates uh, a little bit of what we did through this year. So... Here we go. Most of this is Malawi, what you're looking at here. Nicaragua. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I'd like to play it again. Would that be all right? It just happens fast. I just, I love it. I just think it's great. And, all, you know, the, the, I, I mentioned a lot of it, the scenery was Malawi, but uh, Nicaragua is there. Uh, Pakistan is there. Uh, a couple of other countries in, uh, in Chile, uh, in South America, who, that are there being shown, and uh, some other nations there. But uh, Brother Joe is really good at going fast through all these different places here. But uh, to me, that's, that's what it's about. It's the go in the world, of, all the world, to preach the gospel. And uh, these brothers are working tirelessly. Uh, from here and then also in different parts of the world and cooperating to get this done. And it's all volunteer. It's all free will contributions that makes it all happen. And uh, if you don't mind, uh, let's, just, let's just take advantage here and run it again.
Let's stand on our feet. Take your Bible, if you will. I'd like to go to 2 Peter. I just feel really um, blessed to be a part of whatever we can do to find the last seed. It's not about numbers. It's not about quantities. It's not about who's the biggest or anything like that. To me, the goal is to find the last seed. And whatever we can do to facilitate that, Every dollar that's given, everything goes to that one goal, and that is to find the last seed, because I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go. Second Peter. Second Peter is a book de- devoted to, focused on prophecy. First Peter is, is a little different. Second Peter, the entire thing, is devoted to prophecy. There are some really profound things in here, and I'd like to begin to... Uh, to look at some of them. But if you don't mind, let's just, for time's sake, let's just read a little beginning in verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. To us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then, as a result of all of that, seeing then, because of this, then consider this, all of these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation in godliness? Looking for and hastening unto, hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Wow, it's pretty dramatic. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot. And blameless. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated. Now, since I had the microphone in hand, I kind of feel that evangelistic anointing on me here. So let me just let me just work through some of this here just in a preliminary way, and we'll see how the Lord concludes this because we gave this to him a while back. <clears throat> Brother Manum makes a pretty general statement, general in the sense that this is commonly referred to, that we're living in the end. The world must come to it. Because remember, God does everything by seed, and the consequence of sowing seed is a harvest. It's an outcome, right? And once you come to the harvest, that's it. There's nothing after the harvest There's nothing more that's going to evolve. Nothing new is going to come at the time of the harvest, right? And so the world must come to an end. And I believe the Holy Spirit is gleaning in the fields, finding this one and that one for the hours far spent. And the gospel has been preached to every nation. So God's done his part. The gospel has circulated all around the earth. And we've come to that place. This is not new. This is not shocking. Because it's been promised, it's been stated from the very beginning that there is a beginning, therefore there has to be an end. 
the cosmos as we know it is not eternal. And if it's not eternal, it's going to have an end. Even if you're not living to see it, there's going to be an end. And so Brother Branham's telling us that now. I've said this many times, that prophets orient us, don't they? They help us to understand where we are in the scheme of things, in the timeline of God. We want to know, it's very common for people all through the ages, to want to know exactly where, we're, where we are. I liken it to going into a mall. When you go to the shopping mall, right, and you go inside the front door, this is the way I do it, and I know that all of you don't do it, because some of you women are looking at it and say, I've heard you say this before, it didn't, doesn't apply to me, it will never apply to me, and you, just, you, just, you, you might as well just forget it. When I shop, I hunt. So I like to go into to a play, like a mall, and I want to know exactly where the store is that I want to go to. And then I go directly to that store, exactly to the department that I'm looking for, try to put my hand on exactly what I'm trying to obtain, find somebody I can give money to, and I'm out of there. The way I accomplish that is I look at that big board in the beginning of the mall inside the, uh, the front door, and then it'll show the whole mall, but it's got a red dot. And on that red dot, wherever that red dot is, it'll say, you are here. Now, if you don't know where you are when you go into a mall, especially some big malls, if you go into uh, you know, a big mall and, and you don't know where you are, you don't know, well, how do I get to store A or store B? How do, I, how do I get there? Now, for a woman, and some of you I know have your black belt in this, when you go into a mall, hey, the map doesn't matter. The red dot doesn't matter. The time just stopped. <laughs> have a good life. See you in the millennium. And off they go. And they will, you know, the, the destiny is not really all that important, right? But it, it's, it's more the, the quality time. Now, all women are not that way, and all men are not like me. But what, what is important is that we're oriented as to where we are. Prophets do that to us, spiritually speaking. They orient us. They tell us, all right, you're here. You're in this age versus this age. Brother Branham came along in this day, despite the fact that other messengers declared in their writings that we are at the end. This is, this, uh, uh, Martin Luther alluded to the, to the fact that his ministry was uh, probably Malachi 4, probably described as Mal- in Malachi 4. And uh, there, there's other people who came to different points of time in the, in the Christian dispensation and figured this must be the end, like in the Dark Ages. They figured this must be, this must be the end of all things. Brother Bram comes along, though, and he takes the scripture and he, he lays it out in such a way that he can point to the line and say, here's where we are, exactly. Thus saith the Lord, here's where we are. And he does it not by circumstances, he does it by scripture. And he says, this would have to come first, and this would have to come, and this would have to come. And we can say categorically that we're at the end time. That's really an important thing, because if we know where we are in God's timeline, you know what? We know how to prepare. We know exactly how to think, <coughs> excuse me, if we're living right at that end time. And we know it. And it's a very powerful thing. It's a very important thing. So I, I think it's a, it's a given. We can, we can say that. Now, in that, in that uh, thought, we know we're living at the harvest time. And we've used this image here a number of times. We're not talking about grains of wheat here. We're talking about people. So we are the, we are the contents of that field. Everybody understand, right? We are the harvest. 
We are the last of the last, and this is the, uh, the, the thing that the, the husbandman has been looking for. There's a couple of principles, though, that we're discovering in this whole harvest principle, harvest time, and that is this. Number one, if you have planted a seed, a harvest is inevitable. It's an expected outcome. So if you've planted a squash seed in your, in your garden, then you know what to expect. The expected outcome is the fruit of that seed, right? And... It's going to happen, unless there's some drastic thing that happens there. You have a drought, or, or if you have a groundhog, or whatever else. But there's, there's a, an inevitable outcome here. It's predictable. We can say, yeah, it's going to happen. Number two, you cannot change the outcome in the harvest. Now, that may seem pretty obvious, but you can't sit there and pray over that seed, or wish over that seed, or uh, you know, long, have a longing that, uh, I don't really want squash, I want to have watermelon. It's illogical. So you're going to get what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. And that's a really powerful concept that was initiated all the way from the Garden of Eden. The third thing may sound similar, but to obtain a different crop, you need to sow a different seed. I will tell you this, just as a general statement, there's a lot of, there's a lot of parents, and I'm not saying this in reference to any of you, but there's a lot of parents who all of a sudden begin to see things happen when kids come to a a certain age, 17, 18, sometimes earlier, and they look at that and they'll come to the pastor's door and they'll say, can you do something with my son? Pastor, can you do something with my daughter? She has a real attitude. And I usually try to gently explain to them, this probably didn't happen yesterday. What you're looking at is an outcome here. And in order for you to really get a different crop here, what you're going to need to do is begin to sow different seeds. Because you can't expect to change the outcome in the harvest. So yeah, you got work to do. You cannot have a relationship between a husband and a wife that is bent on meeting selfish needs for years and years and years. You know, wife, you got the kids, so I'm going to run with my buddies, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to look after my car, and I'm going to work two jobs and everything else. I'm going to avoid this, uh, this atmosphere at home, and I don't want to be involved in the messy work of raising kids here. Uh, didn't sign up for that, whatever, whatever your, your attitude is. And then all of a sudden the kids leave because it's kind of like the harvest. It's an expected outcome. And no matter how hard you try, the smell of gas and the smell of perfume will drive most boys out of the house, and cell phones and money will drive girls out. So the, there, is, there is an expected outcome. So if this husband has, has not sown to this relationship for, for 18 years, and now all of a sudden she's alone, and they find themselves alone, and looking at one another, wondering who is this person in the first place? You can't tell me it doesn't happen, as I've had people come to my office and tell me it is happening. So you can't expect to have a different outcome in the harvest. You're going to get what you sowed. In order to get a different crop, you've got to sow something different. So that's why intervention is a great thing. You want to have the husbandman come along and mess with things. You want to have the husband come along and prune things that don't belong and fertilize the things that do. 
You want to have him come and remind you that it's time to sow this and it's time to sow that. You need to change this and you need to change that. Change is a very difficult thing to accomplish, especially the older you get. And older, I mean five years and over. I think a lot of our best work really is done in shaping the minds and thoughts of children is really early, doing it quickly. And I think it's a very powerful and very important thing. I think that ministry is certainly, you know, our Sunday school teachers, our adventures, and all the other things that we try to do here for our young kids. Let me tell you, I think it's a powerful thing. I'm behind it 100%. Now, I think it's really needful because our world is ready to pounce. Our world is ready to pounce. And even, even the most secular of industries and, and government officials today, even the most secular of them, are all scratching their chin and wondering, should we have training before kids are allowed on social media? Duh. So therefore, this, this is, a, is a principle, if you like, that affects everybody. This affects everybody. Because if you're living in, if you're living in the, uh, the early church, you're, you, you would have been in a foundational uh, frame of mind. You would have been taught about laying a good foundation. But we're not there. We're at the end. And at the end, we need to be preparing to leave or stay and watch the tribulation unfold. Because this affects everybody. Right? In this, in this scenario, you either want to be a member of the bride or a Jew. And there ain't nothing in between. Brother Bram said, now, he remember, remember these words. Remember these words. That everything's at the end. Say it with me. Everything. Say it again. Everything is at the end. Wow. Everything is at the end. Democracy is at the end. Civilization's at the end. Everything. When you say everything... You don't need to go down through the list, but Brother Branham does. He does very often. He said, this nation is honeycombed, and he's referring to uh, communism uh, back in that day, in the, in the 60s there. He said, the world's at the end. Every, every mortal thing must die. Then immortality can take its place. Hang on to this thought for a minute. This is not a, this is not a sermon about death. It's not a sermon about the end of all things for us. Because remember now, in God's economy, and according to the, the word, according to the word of God, that while there is one that's sinking or dying, there's another one rising. How many believe that? There's another kingdom that's rising. And that kingdom is not way out there, somewhere above, the, above eyesight, waiting to float down. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Right? Now, <clears throat> other nations... The world's at the end. For every mortal being, every mortal thing must die that immortality can take its place. We've got to come to this place. We're here. We're at the end. And nothing else can care now but Jesus. And he does care. Aren't you glad for that? There's nothing else can care now. There's nothing else. As much as a government might want to stop the process, they can't. We're going to a world where all natural things die. So in other words, in the world to come, we'll have chestnut trees that don't have a blight. We'll have oceans that don't have pollution, right? We'll have a world that God creates and is unaffected by the devil. It'll be a beautiful place. So there's one thing that's sinking and dying. There's another thing that's rising. And you know what? There's one person who's in control of it, and that's God. And he cares for you. 
You got you to embrace that. You got to understand that God cares for you. Because there's ways that you can look at the scripture that you might feel like you're excluded from all of this. And what chance do I have? I have good news for you this morning. Jesus Christ cares for you. Now your job is to care for him. And we want to just talk about that this morning. So let me, can I have a couple of minutes on this? That'd be all right. Brother Bram said democracy is at the end. Now that's quite a strong statement. And I, I, when, I, when I came on that statement, I, I, it, paused, it caused me to pause, and I, I began to research. I began to talk to a couple of people. I'm not a constitutional uh, expert uh, by any stretch. Uh, I'm proud to be an American and, you know, did a little research and stuff when I uh, was able to become a citizen. It's a big thing for me. But I, I, I gotta, you have to look at what's happening out there, and then I look at what a prophet says about our time. And this, this to me, was very interesting. Brother Branham said, and this is 1963, he said, no, sir, politics will never work. Democracy will never work. Democracy is rotten to the bone. And if it could be run amongst a bunch of Christians, it would be fine. Brother Branham often said that God's best way of, of ruling a country would be to have a godly king, like King David, and he said then you have prophets and so forth, but have a godly king and God above that king and the king ruling uh, in, a, in a righteous way. And uh, ideally, and I believe that's the way it's going to be eventually uh, in the eternal realm. But he said, our, our democracy, as good as it is, our democracy, as fine as it is, has served its purpose well. But he's saying it's rotten to the bone, and if it could be run by Christians, it'd be fine. But when you put it out there in the world, it becomes all sails and no anchor. When you say all sails and no anchor, means that uh, it kind of runs whichever way the wind blows right? And if it doesn't have an anchor, it's not going to be solid. I got a statement coming up where Brother Bram said, God wants you to be solid. God wants you to be anchored. And, and if, if democracy eventually, listen, if democracy turns out to be something that is just blown by the winds of opinion and blown by the winds of politics and blown by winds of the four-year term, then you know what? Without a good solid anchor, it's liable to run anywhere. I mean, it could even crash on the shore, couldn't it? Huh. So it's an interesting thought because Brother Bam is very consistent about what he says. Now, let me show you this. And this was, I, I did a couple of places. I went to research, Brookings Institute and different places here. And this is just a paragraph I'm going to throw at you here. This is not Brother Branham, okay? Public opinion research. I guess I, guess I fall into the trap of saying like rap crook, you know, the... Uh, the two most dangerous words that are said in the human vocabulary now are study show. <clears throat> Public opinion research shows faith in democracy and government is all over the map. 77% of people think the country is moving in the wrong direction. 52% agree that America's best days are behind us. 90% think, 90% think democracy isn't working well. And only 16% say that they trust the government to do what's right. In other words, conditions are ripe. This is not my words. This is their words. Conditions are ripe for the death of democracy in America. Now, these people are not in the message. They're not referring to Brother Branham here. They have their own measures and standards by which they look at, at things, that, uh, the state of the government, state of the union, state of democracy, and so forth, and not only in America and in other nations. And let me say this. I have absolutely, believe me, I have zero interest in making a political point here. Okay? I'm not talking about politics here. 
Talking about what Brother Bram said about democracy. Is that all right? I'm not trying to promote or uh, disinterest you in one party versus another. That's not my point. That's nothing to do with what I'm telling you here today. And I will tell you that a lot of the issues that, uh, th- that I'm referring to happened long before 2020. Okay? So I'm just making a general statement here. And they're saying, they're saying that there's a shift in the minds of Americans. There's a shift in the way Americans are thinking. And all this data shows that America, this is what I thought was interesting. Americans are crying out for, deep in the heart of most Americans, they want to get back to real positive principle and constructive leadership. There's a lot of Americans want the country to right itself. They want to have a good man there. They want to have somebody who's solid, somebody who, who's uh, not driven by the political winds that are out there. Everybody following me? In, in the hearts of a lot of Americans, they're just kind of saying, hey, let's get our act together. Let's get back on the road and let's, let's just do things right. Get out of debt, you know, and, and, uh, you know or at least reduce it. And uh, let's, let's get back to doing what we should do as a nation. Lead the world. And be a superpower. Act like a superpower. And stop all the childishness and all the, all the rhetoric that's going on out there. And, you know, and, and all the rest of it. I mean, there's, in, in the hearts, what the data shows, all I'm saying is that what the data shows is that there's a lot of people who want to have that. You know what Brother Branham said? That people are truly looking for that. And he said eventually they'll get it. That's what he said. And he says, this is one place that he said it. The world is again falling apart. He said, whole lot like our denominations of today, our denominations are looking for a superman. Our nation's looking for a superman. Well, that's what that is. They're looking for principle, constructive, positive leadership. And, and Americans are looking for that. Hey, if the right personality arose, if the right circumstance arose, yeah, that's all we want to get behind. That's the feeling in the hearts of many Americans. Now, look, I, let's, let's qualify this. <clears throat> I'm not looking for this. Hello? I'm not looking for this. Because I'm not looking to stay here. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking for the change of my body. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit to strike me in such a way that my flesh will not be able to stand it and I'll be gone in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for political solutions to the problems of our time. I'm not looking for some super leader to rise up and, you know, pour oil upon the waters of this world and make everything work right. I'm not looking for somebody who can, uh, you know, stare down the Chinese or the Russians and say, back off. I'm not looking for that. Because what they're looking for and what Brother Bram's describing here is they're looking for anyone who will step up on that platform. And I have news for you. That's going to be the Antichrist. That's an antichrist system that they're looking for because he comes in not with an iron fist, but he comes in with flatteries. And there's going to be such a feeling of dread and such a fed up feeling among people that they're going to be looking for this personality and Satan knows exactly how to craft that personality to influence the people who are desperate for solid, positive, and constructive leadership. You know, hey, listen, it might not be in our lifetime. I don't know how, God's, how long God's going to do this. I mean, he told Noah, and uh, it went on 120 years. I'm, I'm not saying to you it's going to happen in our lifetime or this is that, but I know that the current system has got to come to its end. Because that's what he said. Democracy is at the end. He said countries are at their end. Everything's at their end. So we're living in an ending cycle. Not a beginning cycle. We're living in an ending one. So what does that look like? Well... I'm just saying that, you know, you look at what people are looking for and then you look at what people even in the cosmos are observing. We've known this for years. Hey, I got modern events are made clear by prophecy here. That's 1965. We've known that since 1965. 
And here they are. Brother Bam, 1963, said, Russia's looking for it. The Eastern uh, world's looking for one. You, hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, our friend in, in Saudi Arabia, he's trying to be one. He's trying to transform his country and the world. The UN is looking for one. Churches are looking for one. But what kind of one are they looking for? It's all selfish. They want somebody to conquer the world. They want somebody to make their religious system better than all the rest. They want somebody uh, to be the superpower of the world. The motives are selfish at heart. The motives are selfish, right? Now, Brother Bam said some years ago, it was first brought out about democracy, and one of the lords of England said, it's all sails and no anchor. But he said, there you find that all these things has to come to an end. I believe in democracy. I believe that democracy, like... It was in France in the time of Joan of Arc. Huh. France needed a revolution. Vive la separation de, uh, de Francais. Uh, um, and, and they got very passionate about it. Very passionate about it. But all res- due respect to our French uh, citizens here. France needed a revolution. And after the revolution... They need a counter-revolution to straighten up some of the things that they were revolting about. People just got caught up in the revolution part. And I think democracy's right about, right? But after democracy's won, we need some straightening up in democracy. Remember, hey, you follow this. Brother Bram said that what the White House needs is a revival. That's what he said. How's that going? So you have democracy being driven by winds of the times without an anchor. Brother Bram never disagreed with this statement about all sails and no anchor. Never did. All right, so you have to ask yourself the question, then what do we do about this? If we're living at the end of all things, we're living in an end time cycle. And I would say this, that don't discount the Constitution and, and so forth. Our Constitution has endured some pretty tough storms. For one, think of the Civil War, when a nation was set to kill the other side. Or secede and leave and become another country. And you know what? Lincoln fell back on the principles of, uh, of democracy and so forth and, and the principles within the Constitution. It's been strained many times. Our problem is, is that in our time, and you know, you young people, I'd love to sit down and have a, a discussion with you uh, to ask you some questions about it. But, you know, our Constitution and our system of governance is under great strain. And you know what? That's probably not going to get much easier over the days that are living ahead. As a matter of fact, Brother Bennett, we may all get a group ticket and sail down to South Africa at the end of this year. It might be a lot more peaceful to be living in Johannesburg than here at the end of 2024. Because who knows where this is all going to go. But we are, I, I think it would be fair to admit that we, there are certain institutions that may have appeared to be rock solid that are being strained. And I'm just, I'm just falling back on the statement that Brother Brandon made that democracy is at an end and civilization's at its end and so the nation's at its end. And so therefore, we're, we're in an end time cycle. We're in an end time scenario. And that's got to affect all of us, right? It's got to affect all of us. Because you know, if you had a change in thinking from the leadership down and they restricted freedoms of gatherings. Let's just say they restricted freedoms of gatherings. Where would I leave HBT? Because we are not a part, we don't, we're not a nonprofit organization. We're not registered as a government entity. We are, uh, you know, recognized by the state of North Carolina. But if they said that, hey, we don't want to interfere with your worship. We don't want to interfere. We don't want any money from you. But you need to register. 
You just need to register because we want to make sure we know where all the churches are and we just want to kind of keep track of it. There will come a point where, Brother Bram said, it would seem to be easy, the easiest thing to do is to join that and move on. He said it'll seem to be the easiest thing, but he said we know it'll be wrong. So there comes a point where we will have to make a decision about whether, you know, we continue to enjoy the freedom that we have, so-called, or now it'll be freedom under an umbrella, which essentially is not freedom, and be able to worship under that. Huh. You didn't expect me to say that now this morning. But if democracy is ending, what's next? That's a good question, isn't it? And I'd like to ask some of you young people that are here to think about that. Now, I'd like to ask some of you parents that are raising some of these young people here uh, to think about that because, you know what? Guess what? Whether we like it or not, we're going to have to think about that for our children and grandchildren. We're going to think about the answers that we're going to give when they ask the hard questions. We're going to have to think about what they're being taught in school and in, in, the, in the systems of today. And I'll leave that with you because that's, that's uh, to me, that's, uh, that, that's, those are vegetables for another conversation. And we, we will come back to that. But let me go back to this statement here in leadership. And again, this is the last time Brother Branham stands in front of a microphone for a full sermon. And he says, now, at the very end of it, paragraph 313, he said, now let's just examine yourself by the word, by the message. Why? Because... After all of these years of ministry, since officially 1947, we've come to the place where, you know what, we're living at the end. I think I've satisfactorily demonstrated that we're at the end of things, because the Bible declares that pretty clearly. So what's left to do? What's left to do? Can you change who's in the White House? Can you change how the government thinks? Can you change laws? The only thing that you need to be concerned about, really, at heart, is yourself. You need, if you're going to be concerned about anything, don't, be, don't, wave, don't waste your energy shaking your fist towards Washington. Examine yourself by the word and by the message. Examine what a real Christian should be. Rugged, loving, not one of those modern Christianity. Rugged, loving. Why it's soft and flexible, half-dead, rotten, interbred. See, it's not real Christianity. Live any kind of way, belong to the church. There's a lot of people that believe a lot of things that they think are true that aren't true at all. Right? There's a lot of people think that the Trinity is the truth. But you know what we've got? True truth. There's a lot of girls who think they're boys. Boys who think they're girls. They think that's true. But you know what? There is a true truth. I'm interested in true truth. I'm not interested in pop culture truth. I'm interested in true truth. I'm not interested in fake media or whatever else here. I want to know what the true truth is. And I thank God that God sent that and articulated it very clearly. He expressed it very clearly in our time. I'm going to give you true truth. Because the truth is the thing that's going to set you free. It's not being on the winning party. It's not having the most money. It's not having the best job. It's not having the biggest church. It's, it's believing true truth. And God says, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to vindicate it. And I'm going to make it real clear that this comes from God. It doesn't come from William Branham. It doesn't come from Jeffersonville. It comes from the throne of God. This is where this comes from. And you, when you get a hold of true truth, and somehow or another, that's quickened in your heart and your mind, and you know that that's real, and you stay with that. That's what he says. You stay with that. 
That's our absolute. And he says, don't you want that sweet fellowship with Christ, the Holy Spirit, the conformity of your own heart to the word? And he said, move up into Christ. Don't you want to have that? Hey, I can't make you have it, but I can suggest to you it's a good thing to pursue. If you're going to do anything in 2024 starting out, uh, pursue this, that you want to have a sweeter fellowship with Christ. And you want to have, uh, you know, a real conformity, a real change in my heart to the things of Christ. And Lord, show me the things that I've never seen about myself before. Show me the things that are hard things that I need to change because I'd, I'd rather do it here than uh, some, other, some other place down the road here. Lord, now's a, now's a wonderful time. If your heart is open to that, it's a great thing. You know what? <clears throat> I think it's a good thing for you to love that. Because I think he loves that. Again, we find it in this in scripture, the principle is the same that Paul writes, he said, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith and prove your own selves. He doesn't say prove your neighbor. He doesn't say prove your pastor. He says you prove yourselves. And know of your own selves. Know you not your own selves. Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. <clears throat> Those are pretty powerful words, pretty straightforward words. Again, He says, listen to what I say. Examine yourself with the word and see where you're at. And you women that's got short hair, let it grow. If you're wearing shorts, take them off. Act like a lady. If you men are still smoking cigarettes and running to the pool hall, stop it. I don't care how much you profess. If you're still holding to that organization saying, this is it, you better stop. I mean, that's a, they, they, a lot of people hold to an organization and say, that's the truth. That, they've got the truth. But you know what? You've got to know what's true truth. And look back down and examine it with the words. All he's saying, he's saying the same thing over and over again. We ought to live above the shorts, uh, short hair and all this age now. We're back into something now that's God revealing the hidden mysteries. Of, wow, we're back into something that no other age has ever seen. We're back in, we're, we're, we've now moved into a cycle, into a time where God's uh, unleashed. Uh, God's unleashed something. Hang on to this principle now. That, that this is a season that we moved in, into like no other season in, in the Gentile dispensation where God's actually uh, loosing something that is way more powerful than what you, what you would even dare to imagine. There's power in this word beyond our understanding. I would be willing to say that. There is power in this word. There's power in this word not only to reach down into your sinful cosmos and bring you up and cleanse you, wash you clean and change your heart so you can actually be a son or a daughter of God. God can take you from the gutter of your own immorality and, and wash you clean and, and, and begin to change everything about you and change you from the inside out. And that's the most effective way that change should come, right? It's from the inside out, not from the outside in. And God can wipe away years of parents' influence that are not good. I'm not saying that all your parents' influence has not been good. <clears throat> God can wash away all of that. God can wash away your habits. God can wash away the view you have of yourself in the mirror, and God can help you to see that I don't need to be a strong-willed woman that's opinionated and influences everything my husband does because I don't trust him. He's a bit of a moron, and so I don't trust him. So I got to do that. I got to be. A, I got to say something about everything that goes on here, and I don't even realize I'm saying something about everything that goes on here. But that's what I do because you know what? That's who I am. And some of you guys are just saying, "Please go on with that. Go on." Please don't stop. <laughs> Should I not have said that? Sorry, Joe. <clears throat> I know how to get out of the hole I dig. And those who have obeyed in these 
small things will catch it in these other things. God help me to be a kind of a man that would bring balance in my household if either me or my wife are out of balance. Because that's what's needed here. That's what's needed. And when God puts those things before us, folks, then we need to examine ourselves by the word and the message, is what he said. And to obey in the small things. And then you're bound to catch these other things that he's outlining here, the hidden mysteries that's been put on the book before the foundation of the world. He said, otherwise, it'll just go over the top of your head. Stay with me. But now let me, <clears throat> let me challenge you for a minute here, just for a moment. I'm not going to be long today. Let me challenge you, though. <clears throat> One of the things we face in this life is that God's ways are above our ways. We have ways of thinking and ways of doing and ways of acting. We have that. And a lot of it's good. A lot of it is because you've been in a church and you watch how other church people act. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but there comes a point where it's really got to come from within. And whenever, when I, I was in the thick of raising children, we, I, we wanted our children to have the experience to come from within, not because we told them. Right, you know the illustration I use about taking off my jacket and putting on one of the little guys there? And it's, it's my faith that I impress upon my family because that's what I'm really supposed to do as a leader in my family. But there comes a point where he realizes that that, that jacket is not mine. That's my father's faith. And I've got to put on my own jacket. I've got to, put on, I've got to have my own experience with God. And that's a good thing. It can look kind of messy, and it can actually unfold kind of in a messy way. But you know what? It is the experience we want that young man or young woman to have because there's going to come a point where I'm not going to be around, and he needs to have that in order to be able to stand on his own two feet. But you're not going to get that by hanging around the church, because God's ways are higher than, than our ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my, my, your ways my ways. Because the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So you know you've got to have something that reaches here instead of just here. Or here. You've got to have something that rises higher than that. If you're going to catch up with the thoughts of God, you've got to have something that gets you from here to there. Are we okay? Follow me now. I've got three scriptures here I want to show you. Micah 6 says, Wherewith shall I come before, before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and calves of a year old? Will perfect sacrifices do it? If so, then Cain would have been all right. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? That's not been a popular thing in our house. And the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Shall I, shall I just keep giving offerings? And shall He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. It's not in your giving. Giving is a part of it. If you got it, you'll give, and you'll give in the right way. But that's not, that's not the way in. What he's looking for is a relationship where you do justly. You do justly on your income tax. You do justly in hunting limits. You do justly with your children. You do justly in your business. You do justly in fairness to everybody and to love mercy, to extend mercy, to extend mercy. Instead of extending 
this thing one other segment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forward this on. I'm going to repost this and repost this. You know, if you love mercy, you're probably going to want to put an end to that. Instead of reposting it, let's just stop it there. At least, at least I'll try to stop it here. And to walk humbly with thy God. So therefore, you understand, you're so caught up, you're so caught up with him that you're not important in this picture anymore. Okay, let's, I'll put myself out here first. That really, really, the best thing that I can do is preach Christ in such a way that you go away loving him more than recognize, oh, what a great preacher we've got. Or if we get to sing as a choir, what's more important? That everybody says, wow, what a choir. Or does, do people go away and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the words that's just so touched my heart. Who is the choir leader again? Because you know what? That's secondary, isn't it? Really. When we walk humbly with God, that's secondary. That's, you, don't, you don't always need to sing on a Sunday morning. It's good to sing on a Wednesday night. Hello! It's good to sing on a Wednesday night too. Less people here, but you know what? It's still a blessing. Brother Keith, hurry up and get well. We need you to come back and sing specials. I got Keith working, on, working with me with the men's meeting here, so don't count him out yet. He's not down for the count. He's, he, God has said, I've shown you, oh man. What is, what is the good thing? It's not about how much money you have and give. It's not about, about it at all. How much you can travel and how much you can do overseas. It's not about that at all. You know what? It's this relationship of you doing justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with, my, with your God. I'm going to go one step further. Here's the third scripture. But I say unto you, love your enemies. You want to stop there? How's that going? Bless them that curse you. Get even with them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. You want to stop on that verse? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only... What do ye more than others? Don't the publicans do that? Be therefore perfect. Wow. <clears throat> In three verses, you may feel like I've kicked the legs out from underneath all of you. Let me give you a little statement here. And you need to, you need to mark this statement. I've given it to you before, but you need to mark this one. You probably need to write it down and put it on your fridge. And here you go. He makes no mistakes. He wouldn't bring you in if you wasn't worthy. He knows your heart. He knows what you are. There's traps all along the road. The devil will cause you to stumble. And you say, I don't mean to do that. God, you know it. If you're, he said, you're still perfect because there's a perfect blood offered for you every day. Say it with me. Every day. And a bleeding sacrifice hanging before the throne of Almighty God. 
Oh, you ought to write that down because God makes no mistakes. I love this quote. I hang on to this quote. I'm glad for the existence of this statement here. He makes no mistakes. Don't think God didn't have you in mind when he sent that prophet and said what he did and said it in such a simple way that none of us could miss it here. There's no mistakes in God's economy. There's no mistakes in God's choosing. Everybody saw to say amen. He wouldn't bring you in if he wasn't worthy. And you look at yourself and you count yourself out because of your feelings. And I'll tell you something. He looks on the inside and sees that little kernel of wheat on the inside there and knows that there's nothing in the world cannot make that a wheat. If it's a wheat, if that's a child of God, that's a child of God. It'll always be a child of God. And no amount of influence or mistakes can change that. That's a child of God right there. And you know what? Let me tell you something. When God came to the woman at the well, he didn't call for a life. He called to a life. And once he found her and spoke to her, he never handed her a manual on the 12-step process of becoming a daughter of God because there was a life in there and God knew that seed gene of God was there. Let me tell you, Jesus didn't call her to a life. He didn't call her, all right, no, listen, woman, here's how you do it. You start, number one, you start, do this and do this and something else. There's a difference in calling for a life versus calling to a life. When he called to that life, when he called to that life, something came alive and it began to express itself because it was original seed. Are you following me here? If God, if I called Hunter here to a life and said, all right, Hunter, you come to our church, you got to engage one of our girls, we're going we're gonna to look past that. But here's what I want you to do to be a real son of God. Got to get your hair cut a certain way, got to pay your tithes, here's the tithes envelopes, here is how you do it, and you got to uh, show up at this, you got to show up at that, and you got to be, and I, I'd be calling for something, I'd be looking for him, how's he doing? And measuring him all the time by my standard of what his real son of God is, that's not what Jesus does. Jesus does not do that. You know what? Somehow or another, we heard his voice. Somehow or another, supernaturally, we heard a voice that was different than any other voice. And it contacted something on the inside you never knew you had. I said it contacted something on the inside you never knew you had. And all of a sudden, your thoughts are different now. Your, your likes are different. And you start to hate certain things you used to love. And you love certain things you used to hate. And all of a sudden, everything is different. You're walking different, talking different. And there's a process at work here because God's not calling for a life. He's calling to a life. And he knew that life was there. And all of a sudden, when he heard that voice, something quickened and begins to express itself. Every seed knows what it's supposed to do. Every seed's got the intelligence built into it to become what it's ordained to be. Are you following me? When you plant an apple sapling, it doesn't all of a sudden say, well, hey, what am I? There's never a doubt about what am I? I want to be an orange tree. I want to identify as an orange tree. Good luck, buddy. That ain't happening around here. You're an apple. <clears throat> you have certain appeal. Let's go a little farther here. Be all right? See the asterisks? Here's a quote I never, I never really got. I was discussing this with some ministers. And let me show you what Brother Ram's saying here. Great statement. I brought my salad dressing for this one. Good and gather. Watch what he says. I'm going to close soon. Watch what he says. I believe one of the great things we find in this day is a lack of sincerity of what we believe. A lack of sincerity about what we believe. Imagine. What we see him doing, proving by the church, 
by the Spirit, science testifying of things, Mayo Clinic, even Einstein agreeing with some of the principles here Brother Bram talked about. And every move, its emulsion has to recognize. What a statement. Its emulsion has to recognize. And God's word here declaring it and telling it before it comes to pass. I know. I know. You're okay. I know. I'll read it again. I believe one of the great things I find in this day is a lack of sincerity of what we believe. <clears throat> Despite the fact of what we see him doing, proving by the church, by the spirit, science, and everything else, every move, its emulsion has to recognize. And God's word here declaring and telling it before it come to pass. What's happening today is not a shock because the Bible's had it for years. And Brother Bram said, it, it, it's been declared a long time ago. The world would become like, follow me now, the world would become like Sodom and Gomorrah and all of that. You know, Jesus, Jesus points to that. He says, that's what it'll be like up there. All right? Days of Noah. This is what it'll be like up here. The Word declares it. I'll send you Elijah the prophet. All right? Revelation 10, in the days of the voice of the seven angels, said way back there on Patmos, and now it's happening. Right? The whole world lying in iniquity, right? The Bible talks about that, and here we have it unfolding up here. <clears throat> Man of sin, all getting ready to unfold here. It's all been said, it's happening up here. Church ages, all happened. Follow me now. And he says, Everything that God declared, and now besides that, the Holy Spirit is here making that word happen. He's actually making the word happen. He's brought to life, Malachi 4. He's brought to life that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because he's still a healer. He's still a savior. He's still one that can raise from the dead, right? He's a creator. Come on, think squirrels. Are we okay? Brother Bram said, it's not only been stated, but the Holy Spirit's actually here doing it. And it's happening in the church. He said it's happening by the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's happening by science. Science even. Hey, listen, I've got the Life magazine with the cloud on the picture because the scientist said, you know what? That cloud is a supernatural cloud. And you know what? I've got the picture of Brother Branham in Houston with that pillar of fire that shows up on the picture. And science said, it's light. You understand what he's saying now? What the Bible has declared, what's been proven by the church, by the spirit, by science, and every move. Wow. And God's word declaring it and telling it before it comes to pass. And here's Brother Bam scratching his head saying, the thing that, bo thing that bothers me he said, the thing is that people are insincere about this. When everything God said is coming to pass, when the, the elements of the world are declaring that it's true and it's happening, and then moving upon prophesying and showing the very thing that he said will come to pass perfectly exactly what he said. But, but how about this emulsion thing? 
He said it's emulsion has to recognize. This is emulsion. Right? You scientists here, our house is honored with the presence of many scientific minds here. Biologists. This is emulsion. Meaning that no matter how much I shake this, this is oil and vinegar, and no matter how much I shake this, and I mix it. M, shake. Shake like your life depends on it. Emulsion means that there are elements in that bottle that no matter how hard she shakes, it ain't going to stick. That's all right, M. You're making milk. Goodness. So for the moment... For the moment, looks like it's pretty well mixed. But hold on. <clears throat> In the process of emulsion, that there's something about this thing, these elements that are in this bottle, by golly, they'll never mix. And, and it's, it's, there's, there's nothing you can do. There's no amount of shaking. There's no amount of, of activity that's going to cause that to, to mix. Will you hold on to that for a second? <laughs> Don't shake it. Just hold on to it there. I want you to think about what Brother Bram's saying here. I believe one of the great things I find in this day, he said, is a lack of sincerity. What we believe. And what we see him doing, proving by the church, by the spirit and the science in every move, it's emulsion has to declare. In other words, <clears throat> what God has actually done is done something that will not mix with anything in this world. It will not blend with anything else in the world. It stands alone. It stands apart. It is not something that's able to be hybrid. It's not something that's able to be mixed up with other elements. It's not, no matter how hard you shake, Brother Branham, no matter how hard you shake this message, you're not going to make a denomination out of it because it's an element set apart. It's an element that's different. This element comes from God. And because of that, no matter what happens, and no matter whether people try to denominate it or not, it comes right back to the state it was in the first place. It might, it might have a few remnants here, but you give this time, and it'll come back. Because I've shaken this, just like Emma. I've shaken this thing all the way uh, for the last couple of days. And uh, I tried to get it to mix. Tried to do everything I could to get it to mix. And over time, this thing, you know what? It just goes back to its original elements because you can't hybrid something that's got emulsive properties to it. All right, I hope you're following me. Now let me read the quote again. He said, the thing I find, Brother Bram said, so strange. One of the greater things. He said that people are, they have a lack of sincerity about what we believe. When God has done such a great thing that he's declared years ago by the Bible. And now science is declaring it. Life magazine's declaring it. The church is declaring it. The Holy Spirit's declaring it. And the great mysteries that have come forth. And God's word here declaring and telling before it comes to pass. The dead raised. The sick are healed. The lame walk. The deaf are hearing. The blind are seeing. Denominations are not able to hold this thing back. And God's done something so unique. And then moving upon, prophesying, showing the very thing that he said would come to pass perfectly. Exactly what he said. Brother Bram said, all of this happening here. And people sit there and say, they kind of have an indifferent attitude and say this. Uh, We still kind of sit slothful as if we wonder, well, I wonder if that could mean me. I wonder if that could mean just a church. I wonder if I'm really included in this. And I'm asking you this morning, you answer that question for me. Is this just really Sunday morning that you're here because your girlfriend's here? 
Is this Sunday morning because you know if you go with your folks, you're going to get a free lunch. And if you don't go with your folks, you're going to have to pay for your own lunch somewhere. Is that the only reason that you're here? In other words, a slothful attitude would say, you know what? It doesn't really matter whether we go to church or we miss this Sunday or we, yeah, we'll go next Sunday. It'll be all right. Because you know what? <clears throat> People who are slothful don't have much passion for anything. You ever seen a sloth at work? Of course not. Sloths don't work. <clears throat> they exist to exist. And they're absolutely the most painful creatures for me to watch because they're slothful. And I'm a type A, right? I'm a Gemini. Almost quit school in grade two because they took recess. I thought, what a waste of time. <clears throat> but here, Brother Bam said, here we can sit slothful when God has done so many things and given you a ministry like no other ministry on earth and will never be like any other ministry on the earth. Someone say amen if you're following me. You understand what Brother Bram's asking us, the question here. Sometimes those, those quotes are, are you know, buried in there, and you know, sometimes they're a little bit hard to, uh, to, to understand. And, and I'll admit that I had the same problem here. And then you begin to look at what he's really saying here. I wonder if that could mean me. You've got to answer that question. You might have been around the message, and you might know all the quotes and everything else. Go to all the camps and sing all the new songs, and uh, you know, be really happy about all that. Get all the diseases that go with the camps, and all the other things that happen there. Hey, I got my scars, right? And I got my, my bumper stickers to prove it. <clears throat> you know what? It doesn't really mean a thing until you can say, God sent this message for me. Behold, I send you, Tyler. Behold, I send you, Sister Cindy. I send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And you got you to gotta say, yes, sir, I believe this message is for me. Because this message is not like anything else in the world. And whether mom or dad go, and whether grandpa or grandma go, and no matter what the world does, and no matter what the government does, and no matter what, anything happens. I believe God. I believe his word. I believe the message of the hour. I'm in. I'm all in. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. For Sam, we all have, uh, you know, we all face fires and toils and troubles, and we go through narrow places here. And there's lots of scares, and there's lots of things that, uh, you know, are daunting to us. And, and sometimes you wonder, you look at things, and you wonder, how in the world am I going to get through this? How in the world is our family going to survive this? How in the world am I going to come up with a remedy or an answer for this? And you're living on the, on the eve of uh, perhaps one of the greatest events of, of, of all time for the, for the Gentile Christian world, the bride of Jesus Christ. Because Peter said, seeing all of these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? Oh, <laughs> I wish I had the voice and I wish I had enough time. Time gets away on me. But I, this whole portion of Second uh, Peter chapter 3 that I read, I wanna, I'll go back and I want to pick apart a little bit and look at some of those words because they're great words. But I want to show you one of the words. And one of the words here is dissolved. And Peter said, we're living in a time when all of these things shall be dissolved. And when you begin to see this process, you've got to ask the question, what manner of person, what manner of person should I be in all conversation godliness? What kind of person am I supposed to be like when all this happens? And when this dissolving takes place, oh, I just love the word. It's a very simple Greek word, luo. And it means this. It means to unbind. It is the same thing you think about Lazarus coming out of the grave. And when he stood up there and Jesus said, take the cloth off him, un unbind him. And now he's loosed. And God unwinds him. They unwind him. He's un you know what? He broke the bands of death. And death could not hold him anymore. 
He's not only unbound from the bandages that held him, but he's unbound from the grip of death. It means someone who would be bound with chains or discharged from prison, like Peter, when he was let go of the prison and the angel came and opened all the doors for him. He was, un- he was unshackled. What a great name. He was unshackled and he was let go. Now he is free. It means to undo something that's compacted together. And in the brackets there, it has the word assembly or laws. <clears throat> there are churches that professed, and now I, I, I dare say there are still some, that bind the people to themselves by fear. And say, you know what, if you leave this, this assembly, we've got the truth here. And if you leave this assembly, you're, your children are going to have car wrecks and you're going to have cancer and you're, something terrible is going to happen to you. And there's all kinds of fear that's impressed upon people that if you don't stay here, you don't keep paying your tithes here, you know what? There's going to be trouble falling on the top of you. And you know what that is? That's a chain. That's a bondage. And whether those laws are laws within a country, like communism in North Korea, and I believe if there are Christians in North Korea, and I believe if there are believers in North Korea, some way or another, God is going to reach down and unshackle that nation just enough to let those believers go free and receive the message of the hour, just like he did in Russia. Anything that has a, listen, anything that has a binding force, Peter says, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. And I will tell you whether it's drugs that has a person, or whether it's pornography that has a person, or whether it's uh, a bad marriage that holds a person back, or whatever it is. I believe that we're living in a time when all those things shall be dissolved. And they will be deprived of their authority. When Jesus showed up at Lazarus' tomb, death was deprived of its authority. It had authority, but it didn't have authority anymore. Because Jesus died on the cross, the authority of death has been loosed. And you may die in your body. You may die physically, but death does not hold you anymore. You've been free because death has been dissolved by the work of Jesus on Calvary's cross. Somebody say amen. amen. <clears throat> Some of you are older than me. We naturally think about these things. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of a, a, a different way of thinking that we think when we get older. But I will tell you this, young or old, I know this, that we can go to the grave. We can go to the edge of the grave with the assurance that there's not a thing in the world that has greater authority than God. And if God has dissolved that power of death, we have no fear. We can enter into that and cross over on the other side. Glory to God. That's why Solomon said, the end of a thing is better than the beginning of a thing. It's actually better to hang around the funeral part of it than it is to hang around the maternity ward. You may not think that way, but that's exactly what Solomon is saying. Because once you're freed from this death, you're not going to run into the shackles. Uh, once you're free from this life and this body, you're not going to run into the shackles of death. Satan's not going to be on the other side saying, "How ah, we got you now, you're dead. You'll be able to walk right past him and say, hey, you've been dissolved, buddy. Whether you realize it or not, you just, you're just afraid to admit it. You're living in denial. Denial is more than a river in Egypt. <clears throat> you got to just move out of the way and let me go past because God has dissolved all of that. And I'm saying that God dissolved a lot to get you here. And God will dissolve even more to get us there. Amen. And there's nothing on this earth can hold your children, your offspring, the ones that you've claimed and applied the token to, and the ones that you believe are going to come one day into the presence of God. Let me tell you, there's no power strong enough to resist the dissolving power of Almighty God. Amen. He's the one who unbinds. He's the one who sets free. And Peter says we've come to that place. And when you see that, how many believe that we're living in a day like that? We're living in a day like that when nothing can hold you back. 
An old lifestyle couldn't hold this fellow back. A lifestyle couldn't hold you back. Your wrong beliefs couldn't hold any of you back because they've been deprived of their authority because we live in a day when God is dissolving everything that holds God's people back. Your job is to walk free when the door comes open. Your job is to say, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. Thank you, Lord, for letting me go. Thank you, Lord, for unbinding those shackles here. Because let me tell you, Satan is still a binder. And Satan is still trying to do whatever he can to trap God's people. And Satan is still trying to do whatever he can to hold you back and to discourage you and clamp you down and you know, make you think wrong things. Let me tell you what you got to come back to. you got to come back to true truth. I said you got to come back to true truth. True truth is what God says. Unfiltered, unshackled, it's whatever God says. That's exactly what you've got to come back to. And when you come back to that, let me tell you, you don't have another thing in the world to worry about. <clears throat> I told you last Sunday that the principle in the Old Testament that when the harvest was almost ripe and they went out, the priests went out in the field and they grabbed a, a handful of the wheat and they, they, they call that the first fruit and they waved that over the rest of the field. It was, a, it was a, a prayer. It was an investment for them. And they said, if God can do this to this handful right here, he can do it to the rest. There's a full crop that's coming. And you got to believe, you got to understand that what I'm trying to tell you is that you are that crop that God's looking at now. I believe that God waved William Branham over the people and let the world know this is what I can do with a son who's a, who's a, a man born like anybody else. He's a son of a drunkard and a murderer, but I can transform him into a real son of God who puts God first in every situation here. He's somebody who loves God above everything else. And I can do that and make, his, make the word of God his absolute and make uh, his relationship with Christ the center of his being. And I can do that with a sinner, sex-born man in this world. I can do that by the power of God because I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you following me here? But God is not saying it ended with William Branham. He was not saying to the world, hey, this is one, ex- this is one person right here, and I can do that. But he, he's, he's using the principle here, and Brother Branham's using it in the rising of the sun, that if there's one, there's many. If there's one, there's got to be more. If there's one, there's got to be a field full of believers out there who will come to a place of full maturity in the Word of God. Not full ministry like Brother Branham. God forbid. <clears throat> the first one that come to mature, the first one that proved it was a wheat, <clears throat> that's exactly what God's doing. He's, he's demonstrating exactly the fact that this is exactly what God wants to do. Last In the power of transformation here, Brother Branham said that God wants us to be stable. He wants us to be anchored in Christ Jesus the storms of life I'll brave. Let's stop. Let's stand to our feet. My, this, this, uh, there's, there's just so much more here. Aren't you glad you're living in a harvest time? Aren't you glad you're made aware that you're living in a harvest time? Peter said, when all of this, he said, when all this comes to pass, and he said, God begins to dissolve the elements. He said, with fervent heat, not only, not only in the spiritual, but in the natural as well. Everything that's held the earth in this position since the flood. Everything that holds the earth on its course, in its wobbly condition, it'll have to let go. And God will bring it back right to where it should be for the millennium. That's what he's saying. And you're going to see this unfold in the natural, and you're going to see this unfold in the spiritual. You're going to see all of this happen here. And when you see that happen, you begin to say, what manner of person should I be? You've got to ask that question, and you've got to come to a place of peace with that question. 
Is it okay to be a person who is on the fence? Not a great place to be. Is it, is it, is it okay to be a person who is running from God? Running as fast as they can from God? That's probably not a great place. God's done something unique in the earth. It doesn't blend or mesh with anything else on this earth. He's waving this flag in front of all of us. He's waving this thing and letting us know <clears throat> this is that which the Bible said was going to happen in the end. And when the end comes, you need to say what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation. And, uh, wow, kind of makes you think, doesn't it? Kind of makes you think. It makes us ponder. Makes us wonder deeply about where God's brought us to. But it also makes you think, wow, what a blessed people to be living when this comes to pass. What a blessed people. Consume me, Lord, with the Sing it again now. Sing it to him. Consume me, Lord. Consume me, Lord, with the fire of your spirit. Consume me, Lord, and make me more like you. pieces of my, of my life. Let me be used by you. Only a people who are looking inward would sing this way. Leave those words up there, Lincoln. <clears throat> Only people who really want to be right are going to sing it this way. Break me, Lord, and bless the broken pieces. 
Don't let me remain as I am. Break it all up and you put it back together. You put everything in the right place. Only real Christians are going to sing that song and desire that God would break them into pieces only to put it back the right way. Put it back in a way that's pleasing to you. Bless those broken pieces of my life. We worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. Let's worship him now. A peace that is what? I worship you, Almighty God. Oh, there is none like you again now. I worship you, Mighty God. There is none like you.
desires revealed in me. I give myself Jesus, oh, sweep over your people, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Take my heart, Lord. As a living sacrifice. Oh, glory. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. myself away yes I give myself so you all glory can you thank you Jesus give myself away thank you Lord Jesus oh bless your people Lord we pray give myself away have your way heavenly so father have your way Lord Jesus my life is not mine. Oh, take it, Lord Jesus. Take all that I am. Oh, examine me, Lord. I give myself. I give myself to you. Forgive us, Lord. My life is not my own. To you I belong. Oh, I give myself. I give myself to you. And I give myself away. myself away so you can use me I give myself away I give myself away so you can use me let's bow our heads together Let's just pause in his presence here. Tonight, Lord willing, we'll enter into a communion service and just spend that one-on-one time with him and just say say to the world, I'm in communion with Christ. He's my all in all. Lord, we want to just give ourselves to that. Father, have your way. Lord, we want to give ourselves completely, wholly to you. We want to be under your control, Lord. You have unshackled us from the world and deprived the world of the authority to hold us anymore. You've stolen that. You've dissolved that, Lord. You have broken all of that down so that... Now our only response, Lord, is just to walk free, to exercise faith in your deliverance, Lord, and to walk free. And yes, we are children of the King. Yes, we know where we come from and we know where we're going, Lord. You are our King. You are our Lord. You are the all in all to us, Lord. And we say, have your way. 
have your way in our hearts. Deal with, deal with those, Lord, that may be in a place of deciding, Lord. Deal with those who may be on the fence. Deal with those, Lord Jesus, that maybe feel that Satan has a wrap around them and somewhere or another holding them back. And Lord, I pray that you would give them that deliverance that they so desperately need. And have your way in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for everybody that's here. We thank you, Lord, for the beautiful atmosphere that's created, an atmosphere of belief, an atmosphere of sincerity and obedience. Lord, we want to be like what Brother Branham said this message was, and that is we want to be not able to blend with anything in this world. We want to be different. We want to be set apart. We want to be an expression of the emulsion that this, this faith puts in our heart. Have your way, Lord Jesus. And we'll give you thanks and praise. Bring healing to those who need it. Deliverance to those who are bound. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Oh, and now we'll let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord He has done for us. And now we'll let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord He has done for us. should be a people quick to give thanks. Spurgeon one time said, worship is heart work. Amen. Worship is heart work. That's really true. I believe God delights in the praises of his people when they come from his heart. Brother Tom, Sister Kim, it's great to have you back. We miss you when you're gone. It's great to have you back. God bless you. It's great to have all of you here today. At 4 o'clock, we're going to come back and have our communion service. It'll be just communion. We'll start right in as we normally do. 
It won't be broadcast, so we won't be streaming or any of that. So if you're able to come and join us, we certainly welcome all of you this afternoon for just that little time of communion at 4 o'clock. Great to have the Bennetts with us. God bless you and your journey back home to South Africa. May God be with you. And it's uh, been an honor to have you. And uh, may God be with you in your travels as you go back. <clears throat> we love you and appreciate you. And thank God for you. I'm excited for what God has ahead for us. And uh, there's nothing ahead that we need to be afraid of. There's everything ahead of us that brings us a step closer to the kingdom. Sing this as you go. We're going to let Jesus, your name is Jesus, your name brings life. Jesus, your name will break every stronghold. Jesus, your name is life. Will Jesus, your name is healing Jesus your name gives sight Jesus your name will free every captive Amen Jesus your name is life Oh Jesus your name is holy Jesus, your name brings life. Jesus, your name above every other. Jesus, your name 